Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. You know, finding a service solution that keeps your customers happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at that networking event. And HubSpot Service Hub can help. So with the service solution part, at least it makes it easy. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform. With an AI-powered help desk and a chatbot to handle your frontline tickets so you could scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. All right, we're good. This is a podcast. You know, uh, Chris D'Elia, he starts. He always calls his audience babies. Babies? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, okay, babies, let's talk. No, I've never. <laughs> it's hilarious. I only watch his clips. Um, <laughs> make sure to subscribe from this to this podcast, and then unsubscribe and subscribe again, so we climb up the charts. Yes, we're climbing. Uh, um, I think we were top fifty. Um, a few days ago when I checked, uh, top we were 65 and then we were creeping to 55. Uh, so I saw some good movement there. It's like the movies where uh, it's like a band is like climbing up the billboard charts and they show like... Yeah, exactly. It's on its way to number one. <laughs> um, the clips that we're posting on our social, they're not getting as much traction as I wish. Traction like what do you... Views or comments or what do you... Well, I only about? care about views and comments in order to get more podcasts. Right. Uh, listeners. Yeah, so I guess there you would need people essentially tagging their friends or you'd need to start showing up and discover. Yeah, and it's still just starting. I also have noticed that when I... I have a smaller following than our branded channels, but when I share something, it gets way more engagement than a brand. So I need Yeah, to... people like following people and listening to people more. I also don't ever share it, so I should share it um, to that big 9,000 Twitter followers I got. And, uh, you know... You have 500 more than me. Growth. You have 500 more than me, but I'm going to beat you in the next four days, I think. I also bought 5,000 a long time ago. Me too. They degraded. Uh, they, like, go away because Twitter, like, bans the accounts. But when I bought the 5,000, I got way more followers per day. Same. Because people wanted to follow somebody who already has a lot so of So I'm averaging 200 new people a day. I don't I've even check. It. I don't even check. All right. Uh, what do we got? Um, I want to talk about, talk about this idea... Um, it's not even an idea. It's a company, Arsenic. Yeah, they've been around for about four years now. Yeah. I know. I don't know how they're doing. Do you know if they're doing well? They were doing okay. Um, basically, the way that I knew some like media people who talked about them and knew them, and I'm almost positive that it's run like it looks like it's run, which is a bunch of kids <laughs> who are good looking and rent a mansion, and they just do right. so like, the, debauchery and so shit. So the idea is Arsenic is essentially playboy for the Snapchat generation. And so... They have a Snapchat channel because, you know, the idea is like, okay, Playboy is a big deal. Uh, what would Playboy be like today? It would not be a magazine. It would be, you know, a Snapchat channel. And so they created the Snapchat channel, which is perfect because it's like if you follow it, you get it. If not, it's not in your face. So it's not like like Facebook would be a little weird. Instagram would be a little weird. And they have email too. And they just have this mansion and they have all these models and it's not porn, but it's definitely models who are good looking and they just have one model like sort of take over the channel. At least this is what it was three years ago. I just think this is a great idea. They raised three million bucks. I don't know how they're doing. So they've got books. They do like tours. I think that it could be doing a... The idea is cool. I bet it's a cash cow. I think... It, hmm. Well, I... Because they were getting millions of views Back then on their videos, I can only assume it's grown unless Snapchat blocks them, but they're not outside the bounds of what Snapchat so allows. Snapchat allows porn, right? No, they don't allow porn, but they nudity. don't see a lot of porn. They allow nudity? They don't. Uh, if you're putting on your stories, you'll get banned eventually if you're doing nudity. What if you have a private but they account? Do, they don't do nudity. What's How, that? Uh, for a private account, you can... Eventually, if it gets flagged, they'll take it down. Like really? It's not in the rules to do nudity. Well, that's why... Have you heard of OnlyFans? Yeah. Love it. <laughs> so explain OnlyFans. OnlyFans. So basically what happened is on Snapchat, all these porn stars were putting up like... Porn? Yeah, like well, softcore porn. I don't think it was like sex, but uh, like pay me $10 and I'll let you follow me. Right. And You'll follow my account where I post nudes. And OnlyFans launched. And what they did was it was a platform where they... I don't think they started with porn, but now it is that. Yeah. Uh, so just embrace it. But basically, if you... I don't even think it's porn. I think it's like web girls... Like webcam girls. And you pay $20, however much they want you to, and you get access to their private video feeds. Yeah, it's like Patreon, but porn, basically. Yeah. So you pay, you, you become a contributor, and then you get their private photos and videos. It's taken off. Ha has it? Yeah. And the reason, yeah, because I was doing, like... Who cares if I consume it or not from a business point of view? That's just how I know about it. <laughs> well, we all care if you consume uh, it or not. <laughs> and uh, and uh, 
It, I mean, no surprise. Like, so oh, I did research shocker. on it. I did off? research on it. Of course this takes off. Yeah, but it, so here's, you know why I think these things take off is the people who don't ca- take care of the creators, they, 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 for these types of things, they, they go away. Yes. Um, and so and there's always demand. So the demand is always there. The question is, does the platform allow the supply to do what they want to do? And the big platforms don't do it because it's not worth their brand and risk and all the stuff. They but have big only users. fans, I for sure bet. I would bet you for sure they're in north of a hundred million in subscription revenue, and then they take their cut. That's insane. At one point in time, when we had a we had Blab like live streaming product, and it wasn't working, we had to pivot, and we pivoted eventually to video gaming. But I definitely laid out a case to the company, that, to the investor. I was like, "Look, um, porn is the porn is where Dude, it's not porn. This, this would be the best. I, like these, they're not like, fucking on camera. I don't think." Okay, well, whatever you want to call it, like softcore porn or whatever, but like um, going after the sort of the cam girl market um, is a pretty, it's a big market and the websites that are there really, really suck. And so, so why it sounds like OnlyFans did well. We had kind of a heart to heart. We're like, is this what we want to build? And uh, my co-founder felt a certain way. The investors felt a certain way. What did Furcon want to do? Um, he was like not down with that. He, I'm so down with that. Yeah. So I think it's you got to make a personal choice. And Are since you? then, I've had a bunch of entrepreneurs reach out being like, hey, we saw you did Blab. We read your postmortem. You guys got to 4 million users, but it didn't work. I have a very similar concept. I think it's going to work. Can you give me some advice? And I tell them from the bat jump, I'm like, this version is not going to work. Consider porn. I think it could work. Consider the cam girl angle because – you know, that's the one stone we didn't turn when we were considering, you know, where to pivot this thing to make Dude, it Dude, I would for sure do that because they could, all these like Patreon, all the shit, they're like, we're going to empower creators. Okay, I'm behind that. But even though a lot of times I think they don't. But if you're going to empower a creator, imagine this like woman who can just crush it by not breaking the law and just using her own body. I'm philosophically, I'm so in favor of that. Right. Yeah, I think as a business person, I'm definitely in favor of it. I think it's just a personal As a business person, I love it. As right. just like a human being, I'm like, yeah, so if th- you want to t- your body, Two little do it. ideas or trends off this. So one, um, there's this fund called Vice Ventures um, that is basically investing in we've, things that- We've covered it on trends. That other investors won't- um, invest in because like investors typically if you're a VC your investors they're called LPs they are typically uh, not just like rich individuals they're institutions so it'll be like a pension fund for firefighters in New York or this you know the school endowment will give you 20 million dollars right, so you can't so they won't want their money going into certain types of companies this is why cannabis investments started to take off because only alternative investors investors who had a little more freedom were able to go into them big investors knew they were good spaces but they weren't able to move on it as quickly because they had to worry about their lps so vice ventures came out and they were like look um you know sex drugs alcohol whatever right like they're basically like taking sort of the the seven sins uh, uh and they were like we specifically look for companies that are doing uh businesses in this in these areas and we'll invest in them and i think it's a very i think it's a if you're going to do a venture fund you could either just make another cookie cutter Hey, we're a seed fund. Come to us instead of all these other guys. Or you take a focus and build a brand around being different. And I think it was a very, very smart approach. I like part. it. I've inv- I invested in this company called Lucy. Yeah, it's a nicotine replacement, or uh, it's basically nicotine gum. We gotta get what's his name, Dave. Dave. We have to get him on because when I met him for the first time through you uh, after HustleCon. He spit off seven ideas in when we were just standing there talking, and I was like, I'd ask for one, and then he gave me like a dope idea, and I was like, you got more of those? He goes, yeah, I got a list, and he started reading off his ideas, and they were fantastic. So he we might got, be listening. We got to get him on the on the couch. Do you want to hear a quick porn story? Yeah. Okay, so I worked out of this like, <laughs> uh, I Henry gave a nod of approval. <laughs> I worked out of this office called the Founders Dojo. Yep. And it was the greatest thing ever. I'll, I'll tell another story about it. But basically, it was if you've seen the TV show Silicon Valley, it was Ehr- we had Ehrlich Bachman. It was an Ehrlich Bachman type of guy named Dave who was a great guy, but totally inappropriate and disgusting in, in a good way. And the office <laughs> was filthy. And there was this guy, I forget his name, Ratish and uh, Chris. Oh, and, yeah. And, I remember this. And it was just this little skinny Indian guy. And he was crazy and awesome. And he was like the t- stereotypical Silicon Valley hacker where he could get a job at any big company and make $200,000 a year. But he was like, no, fuck that. I'm like, not, I'm fuck the corporate pigs. Right. And so he would sleep at that office and Dave would buy him pizza all the time because he was like, get, wanted to be poor and do this thing. And so he created a app or no, a, a site, website, yeah. a website that would crawl 
Tumblr. No, I think all of the internet. Okay. For the fastest, for the GIFs that had the highest velocity of growth. And so if a GIF launched, popular he, GIFs. he would tell you right GIFs. away which one's going to be the most popular. And then you would see it on the screen. And it was called The Worst Drug, The Worst Drug TV. It's not there anymore. And that sounds like a silly thing, but that's not why he did it. He did it because what he was trying to do was, A, find the fastest uh, like technology that could find the fastest growing stuff. And if you would go to TheWorstDrug.com, you could type in something like dog, and the search feature would autofill like wicked fast like right. way faster and then you would click enter and it would be bam a high def gif it was high def it was full screen and it was full like screen. It was laser fast so the technology is very like pod piper like yeah. the technology wasn't like whatever pod piper did it was the fact that it was all behind the scenes like a bunch of nerds being like yeah our gifs load the fastest and like look it's like hd and it happened in nanoseconds and he would spend nights and I would come back and it would be just as tiny improvement, but we'd all gather around it. Well, so here's the cut, uh, the, the, the point of the story. Turns out the most popular GIFs on the internet, 99% of them are super hardcore raunchy porn, <laughs> like real raunchy porn. And so, yeah, because when I went to the site, it was all porn. There wasn't like porn and then some basketball gifs. No, it's and then all like a funny porn. One. It was only porn. So I was like, this is a porn site. And so at the office at the, at the dojo, we would have these huge screens of like his <laughs> workstation. And the way that he sat was everyone could see it. And we kind of got immune to it. But it was like the raunchiest shit ever. And we would, he'd be like, guys, check this out. Early in the morning, we would come in 11 a.m., which was early. And he'd be rubbing his eyes and shit. And he'd be like... Check this out. And all eight of us would gather around this <laughs> high def screen and be like, and he would type in the word like, like facial. And like, he's like, watch how fast this loads. And we were just so immune. We were like, you're not oh, even yeah. looking at the content. We're not even looking at the content. We're like, oh yeah, wow. You could like see the shine in the liquid. <laughs> like it was like, it was so funny. And we would have like these like lawyers come into the office and people who are actually or like investors who would try to raise money for the other companies. And we would forget that this was on the big screen. <laughs> And, so, uh, so what happened? So this sounds uh, like what's the end of so, the story? What is this guy doing now? What um, happened to the site? The site, the worst drug, got millions and millions and millions of visitors. The tr- the the engagement was stupidly yeah. like good. Um, he couldn't monetize it. They couldn't use it. So there were so many restrictions. No ad network would allow him to use it. And so even though the site, I think it was getting mi- at least uh, for sure uh, millions. I think maybe tens of millions of monthly uniques, and it made zero money and only cost him a lot of money. And the story ends with like. Um, someone in Bulgaria or Latvia, like this, like communist ex-communist country, wanted to buy the site, and it was all weird. And they flew him out there, and he's like, "Wait, these guys are like mobsters," <laughs> and they ended up like bailing, and they just shut it down because it was got. And so, too what does deep. he do now? Now he works at Facebook. No, he bailed. I've never seen him. He <laughs> oh, stole no. my skateboard. I had a skateboard. I left at <laughs> the office. He stole it, and I've never seen him since. He had to get away, dude. It's I've never seen him. He needed transfer. Raj, that's his name. Raj. I've never seen Raj All from. Right. Since I'm gonna hunt this guy down because uh, that guy is gonna build something amazing, or it's gonna be a very sad ending. But either way, it's gonna be not uh, average, not the usual. Yeah, he was. He was like, if you think of like this idea of what Silicon Valley is, that was that. Right. Wow. Uh, okay, that's incredible. I like that story. Okay, we were talking about Arsenic real quick. Quick idea. So what they're doing is the Playboy on Snapchat. If that's working, and I, I don't know if it's working, so go look into it. But if it is working um, in a big way, I don't think that there's just going to be one of those. So like in the same way that there's all these porn brands, right? There's like Girls Gone Wild. It focuses on college age things. Somebody out there could create the Arsenic for college or for different like whatever genre. And so I just but think this just is to very clarify, repeatable. Arsenic is not porn modeling scanty modeling yeah. more like playboy and maxim, so, maxim or cur- yeah. current playboy exactly so you could build playboy but of other genres and just or you could just literally clone them uh, and i think it would be very low cost and i think you would be able to uh do a lot of you'd be able to drive a lot of views and ultimately get a lot of sponsorships in the same way that um maxim and playboy were able to make pretty big businesses out of what they do now they had subscriptions so I don't know if you would do subscriptions. Maybe you use OnlyFans. I'm not sure, but um, we should figure it out. Yeah, I I'm gonna look up the OnlyFans. I'm revenue. interested in this. Uh, I I I I have a lot of ideas. I'm gonna I'll come back a little more prepared on this because I think there is something there. Um, okay, what else you got? Okay, so uh, you have HQ. So HQ died, HQ obviously. Died. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought like it could have been cool. I'm like they could be like Jeopardy. Jeopardy's huge. So if you don't know what HQ was, it was a mobile app. It was a game show like Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, whatever, but that was all done on a mobile app, which was – when I saw this product, our friend Eric um, 
who does tribe socks he showed me this app and he was like dude my friend went to go work at this company it's really interesting check this out and he pulls it up so at 6 p.m every day they would do the game show so you get a notification at six you open the app there's a host a live guy you know live live game show host on uh, live streaming and he would ask trivia questions that you would push the button and you have 10 seconds to answer you'd push the button real quick to answer and if you got all 10 or 12 questions right you'd win the prize at the end which could at that be, time it yeah. was there was 400 players and the prize was like $500 this thing grew like crazy they had games with over a million concurrent players I feel like sometimes it's like a million and, and a half and, and exactly over a million players and over I believe they had over a million dollars in prize money over time and so this thing had this run and they got Tons of funding. Founders Fund funded them. $10 million in funding at $100 million valuation. And then they had um, big time brands launch stuff on there. So they were like, you know, this game is sponsored by Nike. It's all trivia about athletes. And we're going to drop this shoe. The new shoe release is happening live on HQ. And that's the prize. They were doing some interesting stuff. But it was kind of a fad. and uh, Which everyone knew. Which everyone knew because it was like games all have this hype cycle and then this decline over time. They're not, games aren't super, super sticky, most of them. And um, this was definitely that. So this big novelty, grew like crazy, viral product. In many ways, as somebody makes products, it was very inspiring because it was like so simple yet so awesome. Like, and I actually felt like product. there uh, – I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but I felt like there was some revolutionary things. For sure. It was like, like oh, I'm looking at the future. This is, this is what the future looks like. I still think that's what the future looks like. HQ died for many reasons. Um, the, Scott the Regas, founders are, are so, fucking crazy. So literally one founder died. He over dose on drugs um the other founders they were sort of always infighting they were both sort of like kind of come across at least from the outside as sort of like moody artists yeah um one of them i believe started vine also russ yeah yeah they or both, or both of them they are both the founders of vine so definitely sort of brilliant guys in, in a way um but the, the, everyone says that russ is a dick yeah and the so, and he had he got removed as ceo because he had some problems he was you know he was a dick or whatever the other guy got removed also never figured it out and the 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 game show host scott became this kind of like cult sensation because he was the host everyone saw him every day and he tweeted out when it shut down recently he was just like this company died for one reason alone and that's the sort of incompetence and arrogance of the founders and i was like yeah damn that is like you don't usually hear that like Everybody's so PC and always just worried about their career. Well, nope. he's a comedian. He didn't give a fuck. Yeah, he, he definitely did not give a fuck because uh, that was that was pretty brutal on the day that so, it shut down. Let's say, can I tell you what I would do? Yes. Okay, so I would. I, I have no idea if they did this or not. I would have built this knowing that it's going to die, and so it's like I. It's my thing is I'm going to be a hit machine, right? And I'm going to use this formula. And I always thought about this with. Uh, remember, like Cronut. Yeah. Okay. You know how like these viral food things, like these food things go viral. I, I like one day sat down. I'm like, what makes them go viral? So it's, and I've like broke it down to a handful of categories, which is like, it's either a, f uh, it's gotta be a food that's typically a side, but you're going to eat it in excess. So for example, only cookie dough instead of, so ice cream, that's just cookie dough. Right. Or you make the, so you make the topping the main. Yep. So like one formula you could use. Yep. Yeah. Another like, or like fondue. So like fondue is typically an appetizer fondue only right another thing is you take the shape of it and you make it a ridiculous shape yes easy including small to big like there's bob's donuts and here. that's my the next one which is sizing head. so you yeah. make something small big and big small right the the fifth th or fourth thing is color rainbow bagels right. so you just take the color green ketchup instagrammable yes yes and then i had a fifth one which was um so mashups which is cronut Right. Christian oh yeah, and then and then that was the fifth one. You take Dor the Doritos uh, Locos Taco. One of the the most successful fast food thing in like the last ten years was this Dorito Locos Taco. And then every fast food chain hired these agencies to be like, find me the next Dorito Loco Taco. Right. And so those are the five like categories that I discovered. And then it's like, okay, so you just make it go viral by. You, you have to have distribution via Thrillist, BuzzFeed, and then eventually it's like, well, you just have your own handle, and then you're just going right. to make these go crazy. And then you're going to have a small shop outside uh, uh, outside in Brooklyn or in Manhattan, and you're just going to... You're always putting out bangers. Yeah, you're just going to fucking knock it out the park, and you're going to have a line all the time. And then three months later, boom, that right. one shut down, switch. Now we're doing cookie dough ice cream. So every season, you come out with a new one viral sensation. Yeah, it's like, all right, now we're doing, rain this. We're doing rainbow cake now. 
or green ketchup and hot dogs. Like you just like <laughs> you're just like okay. And so if I was, I, I've always thought about I'm like man, that's the way to go. You just have a small, you just are banging these, you're just banging these out. And then for the ones that last and are hits, like Corona, it might be a hit. I mean, that's kind of like its own category now. Yeah. Um. Then you, that's like one of your temple franchises. Right. It's Boom. always available. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would do. And then so with HQ trivia, I would have done the same thing. So this is like supreme for food. It's like you have this um, limited, scarce, kind of like uh, out there thing. What you're doing is you're making these these sort of wild concoctions on the food side using these five different. Yeah, but it's all changes. formulaic. Yeah, so it's you, just like following one of these five formulas. Zynga. And then you you do a limited edition drop. You basically say, you know, you tweet out at one a.m. It's live. You get a huge line. People cover the fact that there's a line, and then it becomes a thing. In a hipster town. Yeah, and this is so easy. Like bagel bites, like pizza and bagel. So I mean, this is back when you were doing your hot dog stand. If you knew everything you know now, but you still needed to do a hot dog stand, you would end up doing something more like this. Like green ketchup. Like that, my shtick, the ketchup would only be green. Right. <laughs> and what I did back then was I had a – what I did was like you just have a little shtick. Like um, mine was my onions. I would boil them in Coca-Cola, which a lot of people do. I would just tell everyone I did yeah, that. Right. And so there's this is actually a famous copywriting trick, which is have you ever heard of – um. Oh, a time like a watch, like a like a wristwatch being described as like with quartz movement. Yes, they all have fucking quartz movement. Right, they all do. All of them do. Or like space age aluminum. They all. That's not even a thing. First right. of all, like what's that Mad Men line? Um, it's like our filters are rolled or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and they're like, well, everyone's is, and they're like, well, they don't know it. Right. So space age aluminum that 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 means nothing. First of all, all aluminum. Right. First of all, nonsense. Yeah, and second of all, <laughs> quartz movement. Every single watch has that. Right. And so the idea here is you just take something that they don't know, even though all the insiders know, and you just tell them. Right. We did this experiment when we were doing the sushi restaurant where we took the descriptions of our food. So it'd be like, you know, you take a, a Philadelphia roll, which is like this Americanized – it's salmon, it's cream cheese, and it's cucumber in a sushi roll. And then we would just – uh, so Dan Ariely was one of our advisors and he's the guy who wrote Predictably oh, that's Rational. Cool. And so he would he told us like, hey, one of the reasons wine charges this premium is because they created a whole language around what they do. You need to create a language around sushi so that people who uh, start to learn about it feel like they know more and are, they want to pay more so they can have the better thing. Just teach them what is the better thing. And so we would, you know, we started just adding words. As one experiment, we would have one version of our website where it was all online ordering. So as one version of our website would be the normal website. Then our a B test was the other variation was our Philadelphia roll would be called like it'd be called the Philadelphia roll and then the description would be like Atlantic fresh uh, you know never frozen salmon with you know Philadelphia authentic Philadelphia cream cheese and a finely sliced cucumber and we would raise the price and we would get like more orders even despite the higher price that's crazy and yeah. uh, and so it's just like a psychological thing around yeah that shit works yeah around the descriptions around things. Okay, back to HQ for a second. So they did try to release other games. They came out with like a word scramble type game. I think they kind of ran out of time. And also they had built the hype too much. And lesson to be learned, when you build this much hype, um, if you start to fail, you death spiral way faster. Because the, the pressure of your expectations and hype will crush you. Well, so that's what I mean is I would have built this company expecting that. that. Like we discussed that claw game. And they're like, well, right. they're building it. So it, they're going to just capture all the value up front and then let it die. Right. So if you would have built that right, like built that into it, it would have been, it could have been a company kind of like, I imagine Zynga does this, which is they just have like, a, they're like, all right, this game's only going to last 80 days, maybe. Right. So two quick ideas on this HQ thing. So HQ died. Um, okay. You know, rest in peace. But uh, two things I you, you could do if you wanted to make, make use of this, of the insights that were found in this. Um, I think you can do this on top of Twitch or YouTube or any live streaming platform that already has audience. So you don't need to be your own app. You should just host, create a channel that's hosting a show and uh, give away the prize money and promote it in the same way. And so I think somebody could build this on top of one of the existing platforms, not have to build your own tech and not have to acquire downloads of your app, which is really expensive. And I think if you just did this every day at 7 p.m. on Twitch, I think a bunch of people would tune in. Um, second idea uh, around this is... Um, Maybe the HQ format, which is this live video streaming with this charismatic host and question and answer could be used in education. And so I would love to see somebody create an after school game that parents actually pay $3 a week to subscribe to where your kid learns science through some Bill Nye the Science Guy type of host. And it's trivia. It's interactive. And they get sort of points as they, as, as they answer it. I thought about starting that company, uh, but I really think that that could work. I think it might also have the f sort of 
fade in interest. But I remember as a kid, I loved Brain Quest and I played all these like learning games and they were great. And so I think this is a modern day version. That's interesting. Of that. Uh, that that is quite sticky. I think that as we get older, I mean, your kid's not old enough, so you'll. I imagine you'll learn this once she gets old enough. But these things that we use as we are kids were just huge. Yes. Huge. Um, I'm into that. And you wouldn't need tens of millions of people because you're not advertising. You'd be on subscription because parents would be like, oh, I don't have to go drop my kid off at tutoring. And I don't have to like learn this myself. My kid already wants to sit in front of the iPad all day. So, okay, here's an iPad game that I feel good about because you're learning. It's kind of cool because it's live and interactive and I can play with you. And I'll pay three bucks a week for that. Do you want to hear what I in that same category that um, I'll come back with some more research, but I was just surfing around and saw it is um, that, but for allowance. Okay, tell me more. So um, a friend, Ramon's kid, had I was like, I was like, hey did Victor, does your dad give you allowance? Like he better be giving you some money, right? And he goes, yeah, but it's all on this app. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well. It, it is automated and I get $10 a week if I do everything and I have a list of everything I got to do. And then it just sends me this $10, but it sends it into an account and I could use those on the, uh, the places that he's already approved that I could spend it on. Or if he wants, I can get this debit card that only right. works at a handful of places. That's a great idea. Yeah, I was like, oh. Of course. Of, that's obviously, a, that's, that's a awesome. of course idea. Yeah. I get mad at myself for not thinking of it. So I'm going to go. I haven't thought, I haven't seen their financials or any. I've done, I, I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, when he told me that, I was like, oh, okay, obviously, great. Right. Um, what else we got? So on trends, we released this on Tuesday. Two things were interesting that our guys found, or Steph and our guy. So men and women found, um, <laughs> Which we only have two people. So, uh, so your guy and gal found that two things. Uh, I'm I'm like thinking about all of it. Uh, first, everyone talks about meditation being like the most popular, like being a, a huge trend right now. Um, people searching for sleep is actually significantly more, like right. s- like sleep products, and not and, and this makes total sense because Calm. I'm a subscriber to Calm. They're, sleep they're, stories. They're they're pushing sleep like crazy. Yeah, sleep stories. I think was the breakout product for the breakout feature for. That's crazy. And so I didn't realize this until they like pointed it out, and then I'm like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Sleep is way bigger than meditation, and meditation is huge. Sleep is also um, a lot of people search for it because. Um, uh, so for meditation, you're trying to teach a new habit. Sleep, everybody does. Also for sleep, a lot of people have problems sleeping, so they will actively search for and pay for solutions that will help them sleep i I pay for a bunch of them i pay for uh what's your sleep an alexa app called the nature sounds and they have like 26 sounds and i pay extra money to combine them so my the one i sleep to is winter railroad and so what does that that sound like it's a (laughs) train it's a train going through the mountains in winter (laughs) what's the winter part what is the sound of winter you hear like wind Oh, okay. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I feel like you shared something very personal there. I love it's it. It's great. I use it last time. I go, Alexa, play nature sounds. Or sometimes I'll do ship uh, in winter because it sounds like an icebreaker. And then, Alexa, turn off in 20 minutes. And that's Dude, this is also like one of these, um, you know, hackathon projects where some developers like, okay, watch this. Just say two words. And <laughs> I go search the internet for sounds and I smash them together and it makes an audio thing. Yeah. Like, like this uh, year, at Furcon's next hackathon, they should build this. Like, uh, I don't even know what it could be like. Chickens in right. China Street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and what, what happens to Sarah? She doesn't like, does she like the same Yeah, she's sound? down with it. She's okay. down with it. Um, so do you take any sleep aids like like a, like a, a vitamin or supplement or CBD or something melatonin. like that? Melatonin. Melatonin? Yeah. Um, does that work, help or? Yeah, it does. Um, if I really can't sleep, I'll take one of those Una. Did my computer die? I think it died. One of my um, Una una gel is that what it's called unisoft it's a it's basically like a mild dosage of uh nyquil without the medicine part oh that's good so okay so it's the way some people take nyquil just to sleep and so this is the just to sleep part it's just i don't have a cough (laughs) yeah it's just a light version you don't take that stuff uh, I, uh, I heard this phrase today. I could sleep in a ditch. Uh, so I just, when I would decide to go to sleep, I instantly fall asleep and I do not wake up at night, um, ever. And so I'm blessed. You, I am typically like that as well, but not as bad. Um, there's this guy that we should profile. He, um, he, uh, he's a Japanese billionaire or sorry, uh, Chinese billionaire. And he started, a uh, 
so he, he's a he's a big shot now and he owns like half a bank and all this other shit and he got rich by creating a melatonin he just took melatonin and rebranded it and made it sexy and called it a sleep aid and right. whatever it got huge and then he launched the zynga of china um and he ended up buying like the building that they lived in, just like Zynga, and yep. or that they worked in, and it became this huge thing. We'll have to do. I'll have to bring him up because I love him because he's reckless and he's built a fortune and lost it all like three times. Right? Yeah, you love that. I love those guys. <laughs> um, okay, and then we also talked about uh, do-it-yourself perfume. Uh, so apparently, that's a huge community. Is do-it-yourself perfume, and there's not a ton of companies in the space. So what's ha- what's happening? What are these people trying to do? They okay, they so, don't want to buy perfume. They want to mix their own at home. Yeah. So basically, perfume is a huge business. Um, Paris Hilton, a lot of people forget about her. She has sold roughly $5 billion of her perfume. Cycling back to the porn conversation earlier. Okay, Paris Hilton, yes. Yes, and let's say her stuff costs $100, which it doesn't. It's typically 90% margin. Yeah, incredible. So huge fat margins. And everyone now knows this. Um, And so the idea here is that people are trying to make their own perfume at home and it's got there's a lot of sub uh, subreddits around it a lot of communities who discuss different perfume like how to create your own perfume but there aren't too many companies that are making it easy to make your own perfume and formulas and things like that dude that makes a lot of sense um this is like one of those industries where when you hear about the winner later you're like oh okay it was set up for success so for example warby parker you know uh, one of the reasons warby parker worked so well was that the existing eyewear eyeglass you know industry was all owned by this one conglomerate Exotica. that had price pricing power and was marking shit up like crazy. So they didn't have to like invent something to lower the price. They just had to not be greedy and be like, okay, yeah, we can offer this at a fair price and still have margin. And so, um, and do so you own cologne? I own cologne. And, um, so what you're saying is basically cologne vastly marked up in the same way razors are super marked up and dollar shave club came in. But instead of somebody just making a dollar shave club version of cologne, they're giving you a DIY kit and then there's like probably Reddit communities of home brewers uh, for perfume. Yeah, it's actually pretty great. And um, there's an infinite number of recipes and f- scents. So you're going to yeah, try a bunch. Yeah, and what would be is if you took it a step further, an interesting sense could be sold already. Yeah, so you could create a marketplace where you could sell yours. Yep. To, just even to your own friends and family. You could create a kit for people to do this and make a better kit. If, I'm sure there's one that exists. Well, another idea, you know, we, we were talking about kid stuff earlier. Um, like my niece would love to mix her own perfume. She would that would be like a great afternoon. And my my sister would buy her, you know, this little kid friendly perfume making kit um and it's like one of the arts and crafts things that she gets, gets to do and she makes it then everyone who comes over she gets to show him show her show them their yeah her i'm perfume. into that i think you could do this for kids and, and it would be a big deal here's another angle that we found in trends is soap do it yourself soap mm-hmm. big thing people want to make their own soap and uh what was the third one uh um juice but we already know that that's right juicing yeah okay um Okay, so a topic that we talked about yesterday that you wanted me to look into more was auctions. Auctions, yes. I had never heard of this company that you showed me, Heritage Auctions. Yeah. Um, I think that auctions, particularly marketplaces, I would love someone to criticize this because I want to hear the downsides. I think that they are potentially one of the a top like two or three business models. Uh, auctions? or Well, auctions and marketplaces. Well, marketplaces for sure, yeah. But... Uh, Auction style marketplaces. Right. I think they're they're one of the best. Yeah, you've seen a bunch of them. Yeah, I think eBay being the sort of classic. Yeah, and I think eBay sucks. By the way, there's someone's totally going to crush them. I mean, they're going to be dead, not dead, but somebody told me this is half 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 information. Somebody told me eBay has had like a revival, and they they don't do the auction stuff as much anymore. They're all like it's basically Amazon ish. Yeah, I fucking hate it. I hate it. But somebody said that their numbers have turned around. I don't know if that's true. Well, they're a behemoth. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, they're like Google. Like you're like, oh well, they're sucking. Like okay, I mean, they're (laughs) gonna last for another fifty years at least. Yeah. So anyway, um, I love auctions. Uh, I like I and I love niche auctions. Um, and Heritage, which you pointed out, they do that. Um. You you got the you got that pulled up, Henry, uh, and you could pull it up on your phone. Um, so they did eight hundred million dollars in sales. So uh, it's not on the screen. Yeah, no, I know. Um, so let's look at their top categories. Do you have it on your phone? Yeah, I still have it. So coins, I think, was their top, right? Yeah. So they do, I think, three hundred million dollars in currency. Right. Okay, but look at some of the more interesting ones. Movie posters, ten million. $10 million in sales. What was comics? Comics is on there. Yeah, let me just pull it up. 
What's it say for comics, Henry? Uh, 50 million. Comics, 50. Sports, 60 million. Sports, 60 sport, million. Sport collectibles, basically. Mm-hmm. 300 million. Luxury real estate, 19 million. Wine, 10 million. Crazy, right? Tons. Crazy. And here's what I like about it. Dude, this is a big idea. We talk a lot. In fact, I have a pet peeve. We talk a lot about these like small little business arbitrages, hacks, little businesses. This would be a big, big company if you could get this right. And so what... So I love... I love marketplaces and I love auctions. I love auctions because there's a time component to it. Yeah. And that urgency makes you buy more. And what I think is even better. And so for heritage auctions, I think roughly half of their sales of their $800 million sales are online and the other half are in person. You want to know another in-person auction that's doing wonderfully? Which one? Barrett Jackson. Have you heard of Barrett Jackson? No. What is so that? Barrett Jackson is based in Arizona, bootstrapped owned by one guy. Um, is that his name? Barrett, uh, maybe Barrett is dead. Jackson is alive. Okay. Or it could be the other way around. One of them is dead. Um, but what they do is they actually have a, they, they put this on TV all the time. I watch it all the time. Um, what they do is sell cars. So classic cars, right? Not all classic cars, but just like rare or like interesting cars. You could buy like a $10,000 car there, but so they'll have a car on and they'll say like this Ferrari, there was only 500 of them. This, it sells for $200,000 and they show it and you're like, Oh, awesome. That sale just happened in three minutes. That was great. And so they'll, they do, I believe 68 shows a year and they make hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in revenue. Yeah. It's a huge business and I love that. And so another one is bring a trailer. They do cars as well. And the guy who started bring a trailer also started mailbox, uh, Gentry Underwood. So he's like a, which he sold to Dropbox. Right. And so I like these auction places. And, uh, first of all, I like niche auctions. So I like watches, anything that's niche, but, tell, but what do you, what is another, and I have one, an idea, idea. What's a current marketplace that's very illiquid and hard to sell, and you wish that it could go away faster. Hmm. Uh, houses is one luxury house okay. which they put on here because it takes a while to sell a house um, in general, and so Open Door is trying to make that instant uh, as a market as a, uh, a real estate company, not a, not as much as an auction. Um, I have a friend who did this with sneakers. He uh, people he, are doing that now. I think it's working well. He, he did it as a ninety minute auction. So he would say the, the sneaker goes live. It's ninety minutes, and we're going to get you your guaranteed price. Um, uh, or we, they basically offer the seller. They're like, we will buy it at this price if the auction doesn't go higher. So if you agree to that, you start the process and it's 90 minutes. What else? Um, I don't know. What else you got? Small businesses. Okay. Just flip my business. <laughs> and this is a, maybe would just fall flat. This is one of those, it could be amazing or it would just be horribly idea. But if I were quiet, Light brokerage who sponsors this, or if I were another brokerage, I would 100% have an event and try to gather a thousand people and we're, we're going to auction off these right. businesses. Uh, my idea from yesterday, the first dibs where you're auctioning future, the future first, uh, future first, whatever you're going to create. I think that would work really well with this um, as well. But businesses, the hard part is you have, um, there's so many the, hard parts about it. There's a lot of hard parts, but one is just the diligence, right? So like when I buy the, um, the movie poster or whatever, if it has sort of the certification and the, the person who's you know selling it sort of says, this is authentic. Um, I don't need to look too much more into it. Whereas with a business, you really have to sort of understand all these different components. I think that's hard. I agree. It's hard. But I think it's interesting right. because like if someone just like if I knew Shopify apps or something and there was this gathering and they're just auctioning off a shit ton of them and it's kind of like a storage war where it's like, which you're not sure right. what you're going to get, but let's just find out like it could be fun to gamble tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, just storage units. That would be interesting. <laughs> like a mystery box, basically, that you're oh, buying. Oh, well, fuck yeah, actually. Th- that, would be really, <laughs> that, that would be really fun and uh and interesting. It'd have to be cheap enough. That's interesting. Is someone doing store storage unit? Like a, blind auctions? Yeah. Yeah. Surely they have to be, right? I don't know. But you could tie some of these ideas together, right? So like what HQ showed where they did basically a, they took a traditional TV show and turned it into a live streaming mobile app um, where the game shows on, on your phone. This is the future of TV. Like you can do a QVC or I don't know what show you talked about. You watched the auctions on, but like. You well, that's Barrett Jackson, but there's another one called. You um, can turn these into mobile live streamed shows, and you can essentially sell these all through through. Um, you know, you could take. So one way to look at antiques roadshow. That's what I was thinking about. Right. So one way to look at this is you you start selling some item that's not currently sold on these auction places. Might be hard because 
a lot of time has passed and sort of like, you know, the law of supply demand has pulled things that want to be sold this way into the market, but maybe you can find a new niche or you just take the existing platforms and you make them smaller, more lightweight and mobile focused. You just win that way. And so like, I don't know if you, do you know Top Hatter. Uh, yeah, what do they do? Top Hatter, incredible company. It's Wish, so it's a mobile app where you see a bunch of really cheap stuff from China, uh, random stuff. It can be like a back brace and a ring and a, um, you know, whatever, a poster, just a, dollar, a shoe, dollar store crap. Dollar store. Well, it's like the it's like the Wish crap, which is like random electronics and memorabilia like laser and pointer. items. Yeah, laser pointers and class rings and like you know whatever. Um, but what they do is, which is interesting, is it's a. Um, they, the item starts so you open up the app and you see all these things and like you've never seen your adrenaline spike like this in a mobile app before all the prices are starting at like whatever 50 dollars, and they just start dropping and then somebody just hits buy and then they buy it and so you kind of want to wait to get it lower but you don't want to wait too long because somebody this? else is going to buy it so top hatter is a, a startup here in san francisco and they do hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue very good a very interesting business i don't know how profitable it is how sticky it is blah 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 but when you go into the app, it's like a, it's like being in like this high stakes Chinese market. Is it like those dollar auction, like those penny auctions things? It's those are bit, all like fucking scams. It's a little scams. bit like that, but they, but you don't have to buy credits and stuff like that. It's more like Wish, but instead of the, what they tap into is instead of browsing and picking, they pick they they like inject into your FOMO, you know, part of your brain, and. So you're like, okay, this item, do I want it? Do I want it for six bucks, five bucks, four bucks, three? I'll take it. And you end up buying a whole bunch of shit. And uh, it's just a bunch of moms who are bored at home that are just shopping on this thing. And they feel like, hey, we're getting tons of value. But like, this is stuff you didn't even know you wanted. You don't even want. It's just shit. It's just shit. And I'm going to download it and buy some stuff. I buy yeah. shit all the time. Top Hatter's cool. Um, you want to do one more or end it there? Um, uh, let's do one quick one. So... Uh, I have this career advice. So there's this great line I think Sheryl Sandberg said a while back, which was, um, if you're offered a seat on a rocket ship, you don't ask which chair. You just sit down and buckle up, something like that. That's her quote. And um, I see people get this wrong all the time. And so you're making – let's say you're listening to this and you're making career choices. So we talk a lot about businesses, business ideas. But a lot of people who are listening to this are not yet – they haven't – you know – they have a job and they haven't yet you know, started their own company necessarily. So when it comes to job selection, if you think about the companies you're thinking about joining, I want you to classify them um, into cars, uh, rocket ships, or Titanics. And basically, you got the goal in your career advice is not to look at the role, you know, like what does the job description say? It's not even really to look at the compensation package, um, although, you know, there should be a minimum there. Um, but you want to optimize for getting onto rocket ships. And so a rocket ship is a company that's growing really, really fast. They've figured out what they're doing and there's still a whole bunch of problems to be solved and they're the right type of problems. A bad problem is nobody wants our product. We have to figure out how to get them to want it. A good type of problem is too many people want our product. We have to make sure we can keep up with this demand. And so you want to you want to find a rocket ship and you want to take whatever roles you can get on that rocket ship. You want to sit down. You want to buckle up because what ends up happening in these fast-growing companies is if you're good and you kill it for even two months, you'll get moved and promoted to a better spot because they'll be like, oh, this person can actually do something. We have so many fires to put out. Okay, we thought you were a junior, but like, hey, junior, you're now working on this thing because you're the best we got and we I've seen you problem solve so far. And so what a the mistake people people make is they try to pick a role that's a higher ranking role initially or better compensation initially, but they join either a slow moving company where they're not going to learn and it's not going to grow or they join a Titanic, which is just, you know, about to sink. Uh, but Hey, I got the best seat on the Titanic. You don't want that either. And so my advice is find the rocket ship companies, take whatever seat they'll give you, crush it, and then they'll move you up. Great. Um, I think that to add to that analogy, a lot of people shouldn't join that fast-growing thing or do they want that fast-growing thing, but they want something that's mildly growing. Is that <laughs> what that car is? Yeah, I think that's that's where – yeah, I, I'm speaking to the people that – Like someone that is – They're trying to max out, but they're currently in the job track. So if you're trying to max out and you're not starting your own business, this is the next best thing in my opinion. Yes, like not a lot – some people – A lot of people don't want to max out. They have kids and they're like – I want a nice life. Right. I don't want a high risk, high reward life. Right. 
And to those people, that advice doesn't apply. Right. And I'm just guessing a lot of those people don't listen to the podcast. Because if you're that person, you probably listen to like, I don't know, Bon Jovi on your way to work. You don't listen to like a podcast about business and ideas and all that stuff. Sure. So I think we've self- self-selected at least. I think bit. that's good advice. Um, and by the way, uh, when you, so have you had a job? Have you been employed? Let's say not like kind of like college age, but like since then, or have you just done businesses of your own? Uh we had like an acquisition and I was kind of employed there, but I... But you haven't gone and just interviewed for jobs. I interviewed once uh, a couple of times and I never got them. What'd you interview for? For Vungle, for Jack Smith. My best friend, I interviewed <laughs> for his job and I didn't get it. <laughs> what happened? They just didn't call me back. I started <laughs> they didn't a call you back? Jack yeah. didn't tell you? The guy who's like my best friend now, I didn't know him. I interviewed his job. Oh, you didn't know him at the time? I didn't know him. Okay. okay. They that interviewed me and they didn't hire me. And then two years later, we became best friends. And you were trying to be a salesperson or what? I don't even remember. I think so. Um, By the way, I have a similar story. I uh, applied to Stripe. I think I might have told the story already. So apologies if I did. But uh, tw- 2012, I applied to, uh, I-, I was going to apply for a job for the first time in my life. I had started two companies before that. I was like, I'm moving to Silicon Valley. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to learn from other people um, rather than start my own thing. And, um, I only applied to two jobs. One was Stripe and I got to the phone screen um, and I I really had it made because the guy who was interviewing me, his mentor in life was one of my former advisors in my startup and had written a blog post being like, this guy, Sean, is like, he said it specifically, he has the highest bias for action of any entrepreneur I've ever met. He made a warm intro to this guy and was like, trust me, this guy's legit. You should hire this kid. How the fuck did you not get that job? And so... I thought I was cruising too, and maybe that's why I didn't get it. But I get to the part of the interview where he was like, all right, you know, this job has a lot of sort of sales and persuasion stuff. Um, so, you know, we're a piece of software, so I want you to, you know, we're going to do a little uh, role play. You're going to sell me a piece of software. And he's like, you can pick any software you like, whatever you're familiar with. Oh, you probably got creative or something. And I was just like um, – I was like, okay, so I, here's what I would do. I would talk to you about this. He's like, no, 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 don't tell me what you would do. Like – I'm the customer. Hello. I just picked up the phone. Go. And I was like, fuck. And so I, I was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm telling you about – I picked Basecamp uh, as my software. Big mistake because I don't even know Basecamp very well. And so I just like – I just So picked. they didn't call you back for that reason? By the, uh, by the end of that role play, he was just like, yeah, I don't think this is for you. I'm just being honest with you. Um, like I just don't think you're you know, uh, How old a good were you? fit for this. That was eight years ago? So yeah, I was like probably 22? 20, 23 or 24 at the time. How oh, – fuck. How early – But I'm like uh, – I, I blew it. Like it wasn't their bad. Like I definitely blew that interview. How early of an employee would you have been? So I think they were at like 50, maybe 50 people or less or Damn, 100 people or less. that could cost you $5 million. Well, yeah, I don't know how much equity I would have. I would have had to do the rocket ship thing. I would have had to start in a crappy seat, crush it, and then get into a good seat to get equity. But like, I did that with Uber and Airbnb. I had job interviews at Airbnb and Uber. Early-ish. first hundred people, and uh, one of them I got empl- one of them I got the offer, but then they rescinded it because I lied about my resume. And the other one I didn't get past the. Final. <laughs> what did you lie about? I had a criminal record, and I told them I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I moved all the way I out here. My bluff. Fair yeah, play. <laughs> I moved I moved all the way out here, and they're like, oh, all right, uh, don't come to work on Monday. Dude, that's hilarious. Um, at least you had good eye for picking these companies. And then I applied at Vungle, and they sold for eight hundred million dollars. So, so I always tell people. Find out where I want to work at, who will also deny me, and then invest there. <laughs> okay, let's start with where would you want to work at today? If you were you back then, where would you be applying today? Great question. Do you have an answer? Do you want to go first? A couple years ago, I, I answered this. I was like, the only place I would be really interested in working was AngelList at the time. No, that'd be horrible a place to work. And so I thought uh, AngelList was doing really interesting shit, and I think it's going to be big. And it, it, it did end up becoming big and um this was like seven years ago so this was a while ago yeah no that would be a horrible place to work though because that like, naval guy is fucking crazy really i love naval well he i don't seems know like a, but he seems like a brilliant genius so a great yeah, person I'm to listen to but a horrible person to manage you if okay if i had to work somewhere i probably hmm probably just somewhere with really good managers um most startups have horrible managers and it but like when you were looking at uber airbnb you didn't know the managers so you weren't using that criteria then. No, but the, and I don't know if it would have been successful. Sarah, my wife, works at Airbnb, and she loves her managers. And you know how everyone's like, so what are you going to do next? They always say that. And she's like, what do you mean? Why would I ever do anything next? This is awesome. I'll be here for a really long time. Right. And uh, I would love to have that feeling. 
I would probably now look for a company that's, I would go find all the most interesting uh, biotech-based companies. So anybody doing something with genetics, genomics, modification, anything like that, I think that's a big wave that's coming. I'd go try to be early there. Self-driving cars, if there's someone who's awesome there, I'd do something in that. If, or um, it's hard though. It's really hard. To if I these. wanted to make a lot of money, let's say I wanted to like be like, all right, I'm going to try and save hundreds of thousands of dollars in the next three years of work. Just go work at Facebook or what? Facebook, Google, or an enterprise sales role at right. a super boring B two B enterprise software company, right? Where the where the average deal is like three or four hundred thousand dollars a year, right? That's what I would do. So, so if I took my own advice, I would look for who's a rocket ship. So I would try to maybe like Lambda School. I think is interesting. Um, I would just basically try to go find who's the fastest growing startup right now that's at maybe 50 people or 20 people or what are the 10 people whatever they are i would go try to find them and then i would be like hey i'll come solve any problem you got like we'll figure it out i went to the Substack office the other day they just raised 16 million dollars in funding you know how many employees they have five five i would that would be an interesting place to work okay who does better in the long term only fans or Substack? Ooh. Ooh. uh Okay, so for creating the owner's wealth, OnlyFans. For creating a valuable company that could potentially sell for more, Substack by far. So take both paths, right? Substack's going to either have to sell or go public. And OnlyFans so might, if I was might, an, might just you know spit off cash. If I had to work, never so, so where would I work? No, no, no. It, which business do you think nets more more money in the end? Which business succeeds? OnlyFans. OnlyFans, yeah. Because the likelihood that Substack is going to succeed is low. Very low. But if they do it right, I think it could be really big. Yeah. Um, I was talking to that guy, Hamish, I think. His he name came is. to here the other day. Okay, cool. I was trying to get him on this podcast. Uh, and he was, I already asked him. He said no. Yeah, he was like, oh, you know, my first million. I don't want to. That's like, what he told me, too. I'm like, dude, focus. shut up. Just come do it. Yeah, I was like, you're overthinking this, dude. You're just doing interesting things. We just want to talk about your shit in front of a bunch of people who are interested. And he was like overthinking it a little bit. Nice guy. but I went and met with him and the, their old C, or the CEO. We could probably get him on. They're just uh, engineering dorks. They're cool. Right. And then... Um, I think they're going to have the same problem Patreon has, which is they're going to build an awesome product that supports a lot of people and people. Have, it's a really valuable tool, but they're taking a very small cut of a very small amount of money. And yeah, and so, so what I'm trying to do is tell them to pivot. I'm like, guys, we'll pay you a fuck ton of money if you create paywalls for bigger companies. Right. They're not going to pivot. They raise their money and they they have their dream. We're a few meetings in. We'll see. Yeah. I think it's a 10% chance. 10% chance. All right. That's pretty good. Um, okay, cool. Uh, what else we got? Anything else? Or nope. We- we're cool we'll end it now all right thank you for listening